everybody, it's Mike Perbiglia. Happy New Year. We are now officially in the year 2024. I just wrapped up a bunch of shows in Boston. Those are so much fun. The new material is really coming together. It's an entirely new show from the old man in the pool. Get your tickets as soon as possible at burbigs.com. Sign up for the mailing list to be the first to know. Uh, we were uh, we weren't sure we were going to have an episode today, and then we thought. Well, we have so many great episodes from the year. It's January 1st. Why not do a special episode where if you're out on a road trip or you're going for a run and you want to listen to a whole bunch of great clips from Working It Out 2023, we put them all together. These are clips selected by myself, along with our Working It Out producers, Peter, Mabel, Gary, and Joe. It's an embarrassment of riches. It's a nice reminder of who we had on the podcast this year. We're going to kick it off with Ray Romano, legendary comedian Ray Romano. <laughs> Funny story, I was, uh, when I was doing The Old Man in the Pool this year, Ray Romano came to The Old Man in the Pool, and uh, my parents are huge fans. They've seen every episode of Everyone Loves Raymond. And so I said, Ray, I feel so bad asking you, but can you make a video on my phone saying, hey, to my parents? He made a video. They said, um, who is that? <laughs> They're huge fans. They said, who is that? Um, I love Ray. He, he His album live from Carnegie Hall is like one of my favorite comedy albums of all time. He made a movie recently called Somewhere in Queens that he wrote, starred in, and directed. And uh, it's a, couldn't recommend it more highly. It's streaming on Hulu. This is me and Ray Romano. I have a thing I'm working on right now about marriage, which is that my wife... The thing that I love most about my wife is that she's so thoughtful, much more thoughtful than me. I go, the other day she made me a pancake. And then I go, you, you, I go, you heard that, I go, you heard that correctly. <laughs> I see it on your card yeah, yeah, pancake. Pancake. I did, yeah, I was working out with Bert last week. But uh, I go, pancake. And I go, which, because she understands my health profile. She knows the right amount of pancakes oh, for me to eat is, is pancake. That's a great joke because it's just, you're just taking one letter. One letter, and 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 it's a joke. Now. Yeah, Instead yeah, of, yeah, yeah. If you said she's making me pancakes, it's not a joke. Yeah, and you're just removing one letter. Yeah, but but then uh. the oh, so then the follow up joke to that is is, and I go so so she makes me pancake, and I go thank you for pancake, and then I, <laughs> and then I I wanted to do something nice for her because my love language is keeping score, and <laughs> and then what I do at the in the, the crowd is because usually literally someone claps. And I go if you're clapping. Wait, wait about keeping score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I go if you're la- if you're clapping, it's because you're you're keeping score. And if you're yeah. not, and if you're not clapping, you're keeping score, and you're losing. That's funny. That's I I this is not we're not doing the same bit. No 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 but, no. But I do the I do a thing about scoring points. Oh, with you my do. Wife. You same thing. Not the same. Similar. Thing, yeah. But I, I I say I just bring it up like the other day I scored points with my wife mm. and. And ladies, you know, we, we're always trying to score points. And, and and every guy is trying to score points. 
I don't know what game we're in with you. Yes. <laughs> but, but you have the lead uh, at all times. I say we are like the Washington Generals. You know, the Harlem Globetrotters play the, they're oh the team the Harlem gosh. Globetrotters play. Yeah. That's a great take. Yeah. So one yeah, of my- Yours is, is, is different. It's funny. Oh, no, yeah, 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 of course. No. Yeah. One of my, one of mine that, that yours reminds me of is I go, uh, I go, it's marriage is teamwork and we've lost a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a slump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then sometimes at the end of the, of the game, I'm like, I was under the hoop for an hour. Yeah. And, she, and she's like, you couldn't score if you had a ladder and no defense. I was open. I was, I was open. open all games. Yeah. That's great though. Your, your take is actually more filled out than mine, which is this idea that like, that like, you're basically that you're keeping score because you kind of know the other person's winning because they all, they're always in the, yes they're in the lead already yes that's interesting yes we we always need points because we're behind we're always behind on points but it's funny because yeah. I think the reason people are clapping why that yes. keeping score thing gets a reaction is I think sometimes people there's no outlet for and this is the same reason everyone loves Raymond connects with people it's like there's no outlet for people to be like. This is this dynamic of marriage and relationships and living together for your whole life, and it's your lover, and it's your your it's the mother of your child, and it's your wife, and it's blah, blah, your roommate. Yeah. Like it's so complex that if you can put words to it with yes. an analogy or any anything, there's no outlet for people to uh, share um, what's the, the stuff that's hard, the stuff that's wrong about it, you know, the stuff that's hard about it, you know, you know, for people to, to, uh, bond over. Yes. Yes. That's that I go through that same shit, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. You can't complain to your, you know, it's, you don't want to complain to the her about it. No. (laughs) So you want to see other people talking about it and say, fuck, I go through the same thing. Yeah, like I do a bit, and this is this happened. This is what happened. I think you you must have heard this. We were having dinner uh, with my son and his girlfriend, just me and my wife at our house. And in the middle of it, I got a text, and it was from my wife. Mm-hmm. It was right there, and it was just two words: chewing loud. <laughs> yes, and, and, chewing loud. And I, that happened to me. I wrote it down, and I took it on stage, and I just said it. And it got a huge laugh. I, I, I figured, wife, it was basically your wife commenting on the you. Talking to me, you. yes. Yeah. Yes, chewing loud. <laughs> chewing yeah, loud. Yeah. But, but I'm saying I thought I was, I, I need to write a punchline here and no. The, no, that's I, it. Sometimes the setup is the punchline. Yeah. Pancake. Pancake. <laughs> Another one of my favorites this year was Veer Das. He is a... Just a fascinating comedian with a fascinating life story. He's been touring all over the world. He'll be at Carnegie Hall January 19th. Check out Veer Das and enjoy my chat with him. How do you think of a comedy show? Do you think of it as your hour with them or their hour with you? It's for them. Exactly. Yeah, that's right? how I think of it. But I think it's a, an, an easy comedian temptation to think of it as your hour with them. Yeah. You know, because I've worked really hard to get my hour with them. It's not about them. No. They got babysitters. They saved yeah, for weeks. They uh, they put a lot on the table to come and see you, you know. 
And if you think of it in that sense, when that flip happens, I think your entire comedic perspective changes. This is a really important point. And I think you and I have this in common. I had a, I had a flip. I didn't, I think in my 20s, yeah. I was more immature and I thought it was about me. Mm-hmm. And then in my 30s, when I started doing these solo shows, Sleepwalk With Me and My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, I started to see that it would affect the audience yeah. in this way. I go, oh, oh God, it's about them. That's who it's about. Did you have a, a flip? I, it's two college kids in my front row. Yeah. And it, this is a true story. I, my front row is expensive. It's, it's about 5,000 rupees. Wow. And my last row is 500 what, rupees. What's 5,000 rupees, uh, roughly? I'm bad at math. A couple hundred bucks? Divide by 80, yeah. So, you know, but notionally, it's a lot more. Okay. You know, if, if yeah. you think about what that means. As 80 a bucks, yeah. 100 bucks, yeah. It's, it's expensive. Probably notionally feels like about two, 300 bucks. Okay, oh, right? wow, okay. Um, and these two kids were there, right, in the front row. And I try and keep my last row 500 bucks, which is like 10 bucks or whatever, so, okay. that, so that I get a range of people in a, in a large room. And I was being an asshole, and, and I was like, hey, two kids in the front row. I guess dad bought the tickets, right? Or mom bought the tickets. What industrialist is your dad? Or is your dad a VIP, et cetera, et cetera? And they're like, no, we saved for this ticket. Oh. And I'm like, really, for how long? And then one kid goes, we saved for four months. We're in college. And one kid goes, we skipped lunch. Oh my gosh. You know? And I'm like, what the, what the hell does that mean? And they're like, lunch in the canteen of, of the college is between 80 and 100 rupees. We skipped lunch wow. to come and see you. And I'm like, I will never be less than 200% yeah. ever again for the audience. Yeah. I will send them home flying on a goddamn cloud. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is my job. Yeah. They skip lunch, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a privilege to be able to perform in front of a group of people. And, and they took a lot to be there. I mean, I always tell the story about the old man in the pool where someone came up to me in Los Angeles after the show and she said it was watching the show, I felt like I was with my dad who's no longer with yeah. us. And it's like, well, if you have the opportunity to connect with people and give people that, like you should really strongly consider doing that as yeah. opposed to making it about yourself. and Or even letting the noise dilute your performance by even 10%. Yeah. I do believe that if you, and I'll go down a comments rabbit hole, I'll go down a, you know, sure. a, a hate you know, scroll or whatever, yeah. et cetera, because comedians tend to fixate. But then I'll remember that if I'm at 90% and not at 100% for those two kids because of some random person who's never going to come and see me, yeah. I'm unprofessional. Another one of my favorites this year was Rachel Feinstein. She is a riot. She she talks extensively in her act about her husband, who is a fireman, and uh, does like a pitch perfect impression of him and and her mother and all these people. She is just a completely sort of transformative comedian. She's very uh, one of the comedians who makes me laugh harder than anybody. Um, if you want to see her, she's a great live performer. She, she'll be at the Arlington Draft House in Virginia. Uh, this is me and Rachel Feinstein. You, the way you talk <laughs> about your husband is so extreme that I'm like, is that even real? Like you have a Costco thing where he bought a thing, like he... All of it. 
when I tell you, I know what you're talking about, but I t- and I talk about it on stage too because I couldn't believe it. I begged him, don't get me something from Costco. That's all I ask for Valentine's Day, for Christmas, not from Costco. He got me pajamas from Costco, which I put up a picture of them at the end of that video that said, had tickets on them that said, admit one. They were I, like Kirkland pajamas, okay? For, for and I, This is the exact thing I told him not to get me. <laughs> Don't get me something from Costco. He got me Kirkland pajamas. You get those. It sends a strong sign. It's like saying, yeah, like I'm not romantically interested in you. This is what I'd like you to wear to bed. And it's wearing like, it's like a thick, dense corduroy curtain between us. Yeah. They were so cheap. They were crunchy. (laughs) And they had tickets on them that said admit one. Like he absolutely gave me pajamas from Costco. I'll text you the picture. Gave me a $50 Amazon gift card. Oh my God, no. For Valentine's Day when I was like, when I was pregnant. And I was like, no, No. the answer is just no. (laughs) The answer is no. No. And, And wrapped it. When I tell you, I'll send you again a text with this wrapping. He wraps presents like some sort of rat or something. There was a ball of like like crumpled up paper on top of the present with weird pieces of tape and stuff. I was like, what is this? He's like, yeah, looks like you might have tried to open that one. Oh my he tried God. to blame it on me as if I wouldn't know. I was like, no, I didn't. You, you wrapped it. You can't use me to lie about this. Like it looked like it had been attacked. Like there had been some sort of attack or fight around the present. Rips of paper open, clobs of like tape on top. I was like, was this wrapped by like a wolf with rabies? Oh my gosh. But again, I think he probably like wrapped, maybe wraps things at the firehouse. Something is missing. Yeah. There. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) something's not there. Did you have like the talk early in the relationship of like, I'm gonna talk about you on stage a lot. Here's the thing. Not only does he not care, Mike, he thinks that that's good because it's getting laughs. laughs. So right. it has made him worse. So when he sees the big guy right. bit, he's right. like, what? He fucking loved it. Oh my God. And I'm like, no, they're laughing at you. It's at you. And he's like, no, come on. I got a nice pop right there. It was solid. Oh, oh they loved God. it. Come on. Doesn't understand like at all. Like he, and I'm like, but they're laughing at you. He doesn't care. He just likes that they are laughing. You know what I mean? Like doesn't care at all. You were saying on stage that, he <laughs> he misses out when he's not at a fire. Oh yeah, they're he, obsessed with the fires. And he's like, yeah. he's like, oh, that was a good one. He's like, oh, gorgeous job, beautiful fire. You know, he 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 doesn't like to miss them. And then there's like competition. He'll get mad because this firehouse that was supposed to be our job. You know, come on, oh my it was God. a good barn. A place was blazing up. And he gives me quizzes about the fires in history. So we'll just be laying in bed. This is a regular occurrence in my home. He's like. Try five fire. And I'm like, first of all, oh my God. <laughs> I'm not doing this with you. He's like, come on, try fire, triangle fire. It's an important fire. And I'm like, why would I need to know the stats of a fire? Oh my God. But he reads about fires. I mean, they're obsessed. They're obsessed. Like he doesn't want to go to like a, you know, some lady thinks she smells gas, husband answers the door, embarrassed. Those right. are the calls he complains about. Right. Some, you know, some lady thinks she smells gas. Right. His husband answers the door, he's embarrassed. We go in in their boots. Apparently, it's just some old fish they had in the apartment, you oh know? God. He's like, I thought we were going to get to go to a good job oh today. God. Nice 1075, you know, like nice He burner. wants, like, everyone on fire. The, the whole family on yeah. fire. Yeah, yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Literally the nightmare of all of our lives, of which all is of all lives. of us being, any of us being in a fire. Yeah. That's what he relishes. Yes. And they're first due. So they see it all like right away because their response time is faster. So they, he's always like, what do we do? We do the ABC. By the way, he drills me on this. Why would I need to know this? Like, I'm going to go do an A10 at the cellar. 
He's always like, what do we do? A, B, C. Airways, breathing. Like, I can't remember the last one. I think yeah. it's circulation. I don't know. Somebody correct me in the comments. I don't know. But yeah, he's always like, A, B, Cs. But the, basically the first three things that happen, they stabilize until, you know. But there's a lot of drills at our home at all the time. He's yeah. like, all right, find me the windows. And I'm like, no. <laughs> find like, me somebody the else windows. will find the windows. He's always like, he's always like, what was the roof like if I go someplace? I'm like, I don't know. I don't look at roofs. But he thinks about buildings all the time because he's thinking about how would he approach a building if it was on fire. Like, like if I come down the stairways, he'll be like, open interior stairwell, go to bed. I'm like, for me, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Right. I prefer an elevator. But like, right. you know, like he always is giving me these never ending fire drills. Oh my gosh. He's like, fire prep. Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> Another one of my favorites is Yorma Takone. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. I was in his movie, uh, Pop Star. He's he's part of the Lonely Island. You know the Lonely Island. They've they created over a hundred um, digital shorts for SNL. They've made a bunch of movies. Their company produced uh, the show. I think you should leave, which I love. Uh, this is a great chat I have with Yorma Takone. When you were writing Lonely Island sketches, are you thinking, what's the turn? There has to be a turn? No, I think that they occurred naturally. So I think that we're all assuming there, there, there will be, but it's not like a conscious thing of like when that's... We're not thinking along those lines. It's not like two plus two is, is comedy kind of thing for us necessarily. But who we are and our level of either boredom with our own ideas... Right. Or not is it bo- I was going to say, is it boredom? Or not wanting to repeat ourselves. So Because like, that was the other advantage slash disadvantage of the show was being like, we did something like that last week. So, so it did help that there were three of us and, and there's always sort of democracy. Like if two of us understood the idea and the third guy was like, I don't understand why this is funny to you guys, that guy leaves the room. Oh. And the other two work on it and then the other guy comes back in and will say like the ABC of like what their problem with the idea is. And okay. usually like, so one that would help us in terms of like, of like if one of us had a, a problem with the idea, then we would work on it until that third guy's satiated. You, you bring them over. And like, and, and either the logic is tighter because of that, or right. the joke is funnier because of that, or or we get to the kernel of like why why it's better now with the, the, the three of us thinking through something. But the, the other advantage is that, that piggybacking thing that I'm talking about of just like when... One of us is bored with the fucking idea. We're we're moving on. So I think, like like I, we uh, we always had a at least I always think about this with editing of like the dumber the joke the faster you tell it for us at least or you don't tell it at all if it's too okay. stupid. What do you, what do you explain? I just mean like it's like it's like you, we never wanted the audience to get ahead of us. Right. So I think so I think that that led to turns. Of yeah. just being like of like either we've done it before so like last week so sort of thing or like something we did like two years previous or whatever it is. And so we just always wanted to like challenge ourselves to do something different sort of thing. And and having uh, uh, the three of us or honestly like like some of the people who we worked with, like Justin Timberlake, like like working with him, he's a funny dude. Like so like so so it's not like like in those later shorts, he would actually spend time with us and like and he's and he's actually like adding to the mix as well. So like so just having Who's the, Justin well, Timberlake? He's uh, is an American recording artist. Um, Did you discover him, Justin Timberlake? No, but what's funny about Justin <laughs> is that uh, I think the three of us, me and Ian Cave, were were always much more self-deprecating. So I think, and 
Justin is a man who is, you know, both handsome, wildly talented. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like got wildly a lot of, talented. And clearly always has been. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that is not my life. So I think so having Mickey like, Mouse Club, like age nine, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so I don't think he's had many failures in his life. Yeah, yeah. So like so the fact that we could write something to your point about like like how would you know this is good? We not like we know, like everyone's gonna love fucking dick in a box. Justin comes in, we we're messing around with that. The minute we're done, he's like, is it a hit? Is a hit. This really? is a hit. And we're like, what are you talking about? Wow. Guys who are going to get arrested for putting their penises in boxes at the end of this video. This is a hit. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like a perfect example of like on paper, if you pitched in Blazer Cats to me, I would just go like, yeah, maybe. And then like, I think that what makes Laser Cats work, and maybe I'm completely wrong and you can explain to me the logic of it, is that you really want your characters really want to convince Lauren that it's good. I think that that was one of the things that I actually learned at, at SNL. Like, not actually, we learned a lot of things at SNL, but like, but, but was that without the context of Laser Cats is is basically like two 12 year olds making their own <laughs> film and bringing it to Lauren Michaels. So it's like Andy, Andy and Bill Hader have made a, a, a a short film yeah. called Laser Cats where there's been a nuclear war and now cats have the ability to shoot lasers out of their mouths. <laughs> so everyone's using them as weapons. And some, so sometimes they're real cats and sometimes they're fake cats. And part of it came from me cocking my own cat as a gun oh and pretending to my shoot, shoot uh, my wife with it, with it. With um, your cat, yeah. Yeah, you're just going. <laughs> 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 Amazing that we're still together. Uh, but like, but like, but, uh, but, um, but without the context, and I think I may have been a key that like pointed this out, but he was like, you, you need the audience. And this is often the case with any SNL sketch, um, to look for what the joke is. Yeah, and, if it, and if it was just, if it was just two 12 year olds making a, a short, you'd be like, I don't want to watch this. Yeah. But having the judgment of them presenting it to an adult man. <laughs> Yes. Who's seen everything and is over everything? Yes, and knows this is fucking horrible. Yes. And then we would always like so they pr- p- pitch it to Lauren. He says, "This sounds like a bad idea." And they say, <laughs> "Wait, let's watch it before you judge anything." And then it is bad. And then and then we would choose we would choose the worst, most embarrassing moment in it, and then be like, "Now you cut back to Lauren, just being like, yeah, yeah. I was I was right.'" We reached a huge milestone this year with working out. It was our 100th episode, and we were honored by the third visit from Ira Glass, legendary Pulitzer winner, Ira Glass, host and producer of This American Life. Um, I've loved this episode so much. He kind of goes in deep on the difference between me on stage and me in real life, and uh, he's he's just always a, a, a real source of wisdom and humor. I love them. This was actually our first episode that we put on YouTube. Our, this whole episode was on YouTube. It was an experiment. Um, our friend Graham Willoughby was the cinematographer who kind of lit the office and hung lights in such a way that we think has kind of a cool vibe. It's on YouTube. And uh, this is Ira Glass. A few minutes ago, Una gave me this. It's a um, friendship potion. Aww. And uh, yeah, check it out. She... She made that friendship potion. And and I said, well, what does it do? And she goes, well, it helps you try to understand your friends 
by putting you in their shoes to understand how they, they, they're seeing things. I just want to describe what this looks like for people who are listening. This is a little vial that you might give somebody like crack in, I would say. It's, <laughs> like, it's like an inch and a half long, a little plastic tube. And then it's filled with a pink liquid and there's glitter and there's a shell and there's a sticker on the outside that says friendship potion. And it's really adorable. Is this, do you know the potion? Are you supposed to put it on like a perfume? Are you supposed to drink it? Or are you supposed to I think you're supposed to pretend to, I think you're supposed to just have it. I'm going to pretend to drink it then. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh yeah, I just tilted back Okay, there. now that you just took it, mm-hmm. put yourself in my shoes. <laughs> That's not hard. Let's put each other in it. Let, let's do the Una challenge. Let's do the friendship potion and I'll imagine what it's like to have you to do your job and you can imagine what it's like to do my job. Okay. Do you want me to start? Okay, yeah. Okay, so I run This American Life and I report on stories uh, of uh, people uh, all over the country, all over the world, and I have to simultaneously report that and then edit those stories and then give notes on like 30 or different stories simultaneously every week. And every week the show has to come together and we put it out into the universe to be heard by millions of people. And it is nonstop. That's accurate. Okay. If at a superficial level. (laughs) (laughs) What am I missing? You have the big strokes actually. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, and then I think for you, I think like you're just like, I mean, I know you well enough to know you're in between like five things at all times. And so, you know, you're working up new material at the cellar, you're doing the podcast, you, you know, like, you know, you're writing a movie, you're like, there are meetings about things for a long time. You were just fixing the house at the same time and. My own apartment. Yeah. 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 Um, and then like a lot of people are are depending on you. And Jen has your back and your brother has your back. But somehow, even though they have your back, you have a feeling all the time that it's all on you. <laughs> that basically if you stop for a day or a week, oh the whole house of cards falls apart. <laughs> like if you decided just to just <laughs> stop working for a month, suddenly like, several people would be unemployed and I don't know, I can't even imagine. Wow. Your your answer is so much more profound than mine. Mine is just technical. Mine's just what you do in a week. Yours is like a existential crisis. I don't know. I feel like I understand from seeing you um, in a way that I think is different from who you play on stage, like the pressure you put yourself under. Mm. As a fr- Okay, so now we're working it out, but with my life. In fact, I think there's a thing that's interesting, which is, I mean, this is the potion speaking, Mike. This isn't me. <laughs> I just want to be clear. This is the potion it's speaking. It's the friendship potion speaking. Like, do you ever think about the fact that that your public persona is someone who's just eminently relaxed. Like there's something very relaxed in your presentation on stage. And although on stage, 
the things you talk about are anxieties and things like that. So it's not just relaxed all the time, but you present as relaxed. But who you are is not relaxed. And then for me, like on the radio, I'm constantly getting into these like intimate conversations with people who are complete strangers where like they talk and I talk back to them and there's like a real intimacy to it. But like in real life, like I definitely have people who I do that with, but I think it's much harder for me to get to that kind of like closeness. And and, and if anything, like if you think about like what sort of person would feel the need to invent like a radio format that's built around such intimacy, it would only be somebody who has struggled with intimacy. Do you think that's true of a comedian who does the same thing? The same thing in which way do you mean? Who has someone who has struggled with intimacy and I'm being intimate with a live audience? It's funny, I hadn't thought of it that way, but now that you say that, yeah, I do. Yeah. This next one is uh, Chris Redd, who's been one of my favorite comics and he was on SNL for years. He is he's a great, great live comic. He has such a distinct voice, uh, comedic voice. It's all his own. You can see him upcoming. He's on tour in Oklahoma City at the Bricktown Comedy Club the weekend of January 19th. This is me and Chris Redd. Your special is so good. Some of the specials should not be specials out there. No, man. It should just be, you know what? They should They should have a category called, I'm just dropping some shit off. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a special. It's just like, we just dropping some shit off real quick. These are some thoughts I had. Yeah. They're not fully flesh. Let's come up with a name for that. Yeah, it's it's mid. It's called mid. Mid. Yep. <laughs> it's called. You heard it here. I'm working it out. It's mid. <laughs> Hell, drop the mid. <laughs> drop the mid, mid specials. Mid special. Oh, That's a mid, mid special. special. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a mid special. It was pretty good for a mid special. Yeah, and then if it's great, it's like, damn, they should have did oh, a real special. Oh yeah, that was like a real special. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That mid special should have been a real special. I can't, I literally I was rushing here because I had this is a bizarre thing. I had um, HR. The harassment yeah. speech meeting thing, They're and so it was annoying. on Zoom, and it was like, it would. It's weird. It's probably hard, I think, for people like you and me, where our coping mechanism is humor, right. and so they're saying serious shit to us, and then all you're thinking as a comedian, I think we're we train our brains to always think of the joke, always. Yeah. So. Everything they say, I'm thinking of as a setup, and <laughs> my brain just goes to punchline, 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 but I can't say it because right. it's obviously inappropriate. And so I was just silent the whole time, just going, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I've learned a lot. I, I'm just waiting for somebody to be in those harassment trainings, and they, and they set up a scenario. They give an answer, and somebody's like, oh. Yes. Although, <laughs> like, I, I genuinely, like, no, damn, I, you... I think, Y'all right. I think every now and then, when in this one, I go, yeah, George isn't so good at that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I did have a couple of those where I was like, because part of it's old school. Like, part of it is, like, you have some coworkers who get up there in age, and, like, some yeah. of the stuff they say in the harassment training, you're like, all right, well, we'll see. We'll oh, see if that ever gets called. My God. Yeah. Oh, I that's see. A, that's out there. That's honestly is my guilty pleasure. I like seeing the older folks get really like <laughs> just really up in arms when they can't hug no more. Well, there's some anger. <laughs> Why are you so mad about this hug? There's some anger. <laughs> there's some anger at the HR institution for sure. 
And I would say generally, and again, I, I want to be careful. I don't yeah. want to use ageism. No. Because ageism is in the HR handbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't use ageism. People can be any age they want to be until they die. I'm not, I don't want to be ageist when I say this, but yeah. one of the trends I've noticed is that in the HR situation, yeah, yeah. the older folks generally don't do as well and are more <laughs> angry. They're just mad the world's changing. I, I, you know what? I, I get it. I understand. Like, I remember I was in, I, when I started therapy, I went and I told my folks about it. And I have a little bit in the special, but I left. I love that stuff about therapy in your special. And, um, and I talked to my folks, and they were really, you know, really open, surprisingly. And then it, we got mad close off of that. And, yeah. And I, I was talking to my, and me and my dad talked more than we ever talked growing up. And I noticed he had social anxiety. And I'm like, Dad, you got social anxiety, bro. Like, yeah. you should go get that treated. And he's yeah. like, boy, I'm 70. It's over. Oh, it's, shit. Not life. Life ain't over. Just, like, growth. Right. Growth. growth. <laughs> like, personal growth. I'm done, boy. I am who I am. But hey, that's cool for you. That's and, that's tricky. I my parents are 82, and I have to sometimes come to grips with the fact that my dad, my dad, and I disagree about certain political things. But yeah. I'm not going to change him. Yeah. All I can do is express love in a way that supports that he, he, who he is and that I love him. And I think if we had a little bit more of that in the world, we'd be all right. Huh? <laughs> we have a little bit more love, like we love our parents. We have a little bit more mid specials. Mid, a little bit more mid specials. <laughs> Men's specials are wild. So when you were, we're talking about open micers. Yeah. Because, yeah, sometimes you see the open micers and they try to put out the mid specials on YouTube and stuff. And you're like, no, hold on to that mid special. Yeah, hold on hold to that. On. Or, the, or the crowd work stuff, which there's some great crowd work stuff. Yeah. But there's a lot of crowd work stuff that's not really crowd work. It's just question and answer. Yeah. And it's like, bro, maybe, maybe write a joke or... Well, you bob and weave in your special yeah. into crowd work in a way that's completely seamless. I was wondering whether it's a function of like your personality. Because yes. I feel like you go, this topic, this topic, crowd work, you're back so into it. So I thing. came out, I came out and said for the first time ever um to a crowd of people um uh that I have ADHD, yeah, uh depression and anxiety. And the special this special, this particular body of work is supposed to be in the style of my brain. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, you know, the whole thing is very selfish and narcissistic, kind of, because <laughs> I'm just talking about my inner shit. Yeah, but it's supposed to feel like how I think. Yeah, and and when I was doing the tour, I I love improv, not enough to just be an improv troupe yeah. forever and be broke forever <laughs> and have no job forever <laughs> and wear nothing but hoodies, <laughs> even though I love hoodies. <laughs> Oh, wait, I don't have a hoodie today. No. Where's your second city hoodie? <laughs> oh, it's at the crib. They're real soft. <laughs> Support for Mike Birbiglia's Working It Out comes from Helix Sleep. Helix has been with this podcast from the very beginning. We are huge Helix mattress fans over here. Let me tell you a few things that are great about Helix sleep mattresses. They are fiberglass free. Unlike other brands, Helix mattresses do not contain fiberglass, which can be harmful to your health. As you may have seen in the news or on social media, there have been a number of health issues and lawsuits related to fiberglass and mattresses. You know, actually, I used to, I used to have a mattress that was pure fiberglass. 
It was just, it was literally a bed of fiberglass. No longer. I sleep on Helix mattresses, which are fiberglass free. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. That's helixsleep.com slash burbigs. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. No, now. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This next one's Tom Papa, who's a comedian I love. He's written books. He has podcasts. He has comedy specials. Just a completely hilarious person, completely dynamic uh, artist and writer. Uh, we get into our friendship. He was like one of the first comedians who kind of took me under his wing, and we kind of go into our friendship, the ups and downs of that, mostly the downs, but now we're in ups. It has a really nice uh, energy to it. Again, this one's on YouTube. <laughs> a lot of people uh, found this one on YouTube, which is great. Uh, this month, Tom's in Charlotte, Nashville, Lexington, Baltimore, as well as Huntington, New York. Great comedian to see live. This is me and Tom Papa. We... We're friends. You helped me. Uh, I opened for you a handful of times. You helped recommend me at clubs. Then we had a falling out. Then we became friends again. Mm -hmm. That was our thing. Yeah. What's your version of that? My version of that. And, and don't be sparing. You can be mean. No. <laughs> you can be like, you were a jerk in this way. I don't care. It wasn't mean, but it, it was, uh, you know, I hate to criticize any of us when we're scrambling and yeah, trying yeah. to find our way. Yeah. Because, and there's, we're trying to find our way. You're trying to, I criticized you. At one point you came and you asked, you you asked for something or did something I don't even remember, which is, I don't even remember. But I remember saying to you, Mike, and maybe it was, maybe because you hadn't been around. I don't know what it was. It's kind of vague. But I do remember saying, uh, Mike, every time you talk to me, you're trying to get something. Oh my gosh. And, and you were like, what? I'm just trying to, and you were asking for something. Yeah. And, and I was like, Mike, literally every time that you come to me, you're trying to get something. And I, it, it, you should know that that is not a, you should know that it's obvious and it's not going to help you. Oh, wow. And, it's so hard because I don't have the things. Um, we're all trying to get somewhere. Right. We all want something from the people ahead of us. Um, but there has to be a a truth to it. Like it has to be kind of, 
you know, I wanted things from people ahead of me. Yeah. There's a finesse to it. You know, there's a thing. Yeah. And for whatever reason at that time, there wasn't the, it wasn't wrapped in the, in the kindness or the, we're still friends. It was just, it was just that. Yeah. And, and I said it purely as, because we loved you. I said it purely because it wasn't like, fuck off. I never want to see you. It was, you should be aware of this thing that you're doing. Yeah. Because it's transparent. And that was where I was coming from. I, that's almost exactly how I remember it. The funny detail that's aside from that is you told it to me at the comedy cellar while I was sitting at a table <laughs> on a date. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't picture that. I picture <laughs> me sitting and you being up. Oh, the other way terrible. around. Other way around. <laughs> I was seated. You were up. Yeah. It was a low angle from yeah. you to me. And you said it. And you were right. Look, I'm hugging myself. It's so, it was, yeah. First of all, you're, you were right. It's a great Achilles heel of my 20s. It's something I look back on and, and cringe at and try to learn from. And I'm probably still doing in some way, shape, or form still. We always are. Right. But, but. I was on a date. It was terrible. It was before I met Jen, and it was like, and and I and it, it wasn't even like I was on many dates, but it was like <laughs> you said that, and then I was left to be like with this person. I was left. Um, so yeah, Tom. <laughs> Tom's my friend. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. <laughs> but it was um, it was very sobering. It was very sobering. And I didn't was, like it. It was helpful. Mm-hmm. It was tough love. Mm-hmm. It hurt. It hurt, but I think hurt can be good. It hurt a lot. I didn't like it either. Um, but for me to do that, most people, you, if you don't care about somebody, you're just like- Nothing. You just walk, right, exactly. Yeah. The biggest insult is to say nothing. But I remember being angry about it, which means that I probably had my feelings hurt. Like maybe we weren't hanging out. Yeah. Who knows? Like maybe I had other people in my life that weren't being nice to me. Who knows? But I definitely was feeling sensitive about it. It was, I mean, part of it, I remember, was trying to tell you, like, hey, be aware of this. But um, but why I was, like, angry about it, I don't know. And I'm sure I had my own baggage and shit that was going on at the same time. Because I give people advice all the time. You have to ask for things. Yeah. You do have to ask. Constantly. You have to like say, you know, hey, you'd have this thing and you're in this place. I would love if you could. Yeah. You have to. But that can't be the, you can't be the the one, you can't be the dog just constantly begging for a treat. Once in a while I have to sit on their lap. (laughs) I think that's right. Right. I think my frustration at that time was that you were newly opening for Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And which was a kind of a wild, kind of yeah. flying to the moon kind of concept. Even. Yeah. And so my perception was because you were like in private jets with Seinfeld around the world and playing yeah. in front of these. And in my mind, and this is a classic thing, you look at someone else, you go like, they have it all. Mm-hmm. I can ask them. Mm-hmm. They have it everything. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, you're raising kids. You have your own yeah. things that you're that are challenges. Life never, ne- life never becomes not hard. Yeah. No. A hundred percent. I feel like I regret that it was so biting when we had that talk because it 
derailed us for years. Yeah, I know. But then we <laughs> we made up one at the cellar at the table, like <laughs> like literally just like me. I think it was me being like, "Hey, I." I was wrong about that thing, and you were like, "I was probably wrong too." And yeah. then it was kind. Of, we just moved on from it. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. You know, which is, I think, sort of how you repair anything is just conceding that you're probably wrong, and the nuance of it is maybe not precisely what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And you also the care for the person overrides the. I am. I hate to say that, but I am a Scorpio. <laughs> oh no! Don't do this. I know. Don't, don't become this. But person, I have Tom. this trait. But the trait, <laughs> the trait that they always talked about about being a Scorpio. My mother was really into astrology, and the thing was like when people turn on you, they're dead to you. Yeah. You don't. It's a forgiveness is a is a difficult mode, but with our little story, uh, it was like no, I really care about Mike and and. It was like whatever happened in that moment, whatever we were involved in, yeah. it was a lesson for both of us. I think as a friend, it was the intent to say it, but it was definitely harsher than I wanted it to be. But ultimately in the in the in chapter six of it was we like Mike. Mike, we love Mike. Like and it's like, why should that be? Why should we we shouldn't linger and hang on that stuff? And even like today when I said I call my wife, you know, in the morning and what's your day? And I, she goes, whose podcast are you doing today? And I said, I'm going to do Mike, Mike Birbiglia's podcast. She went, oh, Mike. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that says it all. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was a it was a weird spot, but I'm, I'm glad we got through it because there's been other people that, you know, you don't come back to. So one of my faves this year was Hassan Minhaj. He has been a friend for a long time. Like, I want to say, like, almost 10 years. Uh, one of my favorite comics. He's currently on tour in Chicago. He'll be in the Chicago Theater. I'll be there in a few months as well. He'll be in Philadelphia. An amazing live performer, and we have a phenomenal chat. This is me and Hassan Minhaj. But the, the thing that you have, the secret special skill you have, that I feel like you don't sort of brag about is like you did that Obama thing and like you made fun of his playlist from the year. It's so funny. (laughs) All right. And it's so bold because like. But is it though? But like, is it? Yes. Yeah, because I would be like, oh no, like what if he just cuts this off? Oh. You know what I mean? What if he just, what if he goes cold? Okay. Don't you have that? Because you have a thing in your in your personality, yeah. which isn't in your offstage personality, which is your shit starter. Your your onstage persona, like you start things, uh-huh. like that could be like that could have made it bad. Yes, I could. You asked like one of the most influential people in the last century. Yes, like hey, by the way, there's no way you watch and listen to all this stuff. Yeah, and like that could go badly. What were you thinking in that moment? What was the calculation? So the calculation in that moment is like what I try to bring to these interviews, whether it's like President Obama or Prime Minister Trudeau or whatever, there has to be this like, so I have a text thread with all my boys that we grew up in high school yeah. together. So we, yeah. we, we, we've played basketball since we were in middle school. We're called, yeah. hit, we're called Hit Squad, okay? We played in like basketball. I've heard of you, yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. You know Hit Squad. 
and you've obviously heard of what we've done at the 24 Hour Fitness Basketball Leagues in the Sacramento, Greater Sacramento area since the yeah, early 2000s. Lesser known stuff yeah, for sure. Of course, Hit Squad. <laughs> so Hit Squad, we are, we're on a text thread. But there's always this thing of like, what would Hit Squad ask of me if they knew I, you got to. I went to go meet Michael Jordan or I met Steven Spielberg? Yeah. They'd be like, how tall is he? When right. Gonna, they would always ask right. you that sort of thing. So I always approach it from a very like, come on, bro, level with me. Yeah. Thing. And from a place of like, I'm not here to get you. Yes. Like I'm not here on behalf of the wallstreetjournal.com. Right. To be like, Mr. Berbiglia, comedy's in an existential moment right now. And with the threat of democracy, do you feel like some of the, jo- and you're like, okay, you're trying to corner me right. into like yes. giving you a, a soundbite on cancel culture. Yes. Got it. Like I'm not interested in this. Yes. But if there was like, uh, I, I tried to approach it from like, a, it's a very like come on level with me question, yeah. but it's also innocuous. It is a warm up joke. Oh, that's interesting. Do you really read all those books? Yeah. D- really? Like you read this book by Abdul Razak Gurna? Yeah. Okay. Mr. President, what happened in Tar? <laughs> what, what happened? What was your favorite thing uh, about Tar? And you cannot say Kate Blanchett. So explain Tar to me. That's very funny. And then if you can, then explain American healthcare to me. Like that sort of like, I love that. just level with me. And yeah. I think he could sense, oh, he's like being real right now. Yeah. Like I'm just like, just fuck the lav mic. Like you, you really read all those 10 books. Yeah. And- Scribs Riley is one of your favorite artists of 2020. Yes. Really? Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you come away from it believing that he had? um, The moment where I believed him is where he goes, dude, how much time we got? And I was like, oh, oh, I like tried to check your cred and you're like, don't. I think the music stuff, he was like, I'll let it slide, where he's like, you think you're the guys are the only ones that listen to music and you know, like, like irreverent stuff. But when I checked him on like, the, you don't read all that much. I think 44 felt, hey, 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 don't come at like my ability to read a briefing yeah. and like be an intellectually curious person. That's interesting. But my place was like, but we're both married guys with children. Like yeah. there's just too much. Right. Where's the time? Where's the fucking time? Yeah. You know. What what wouldn't you ask him out of respect? So there was a thing at the very end of the interview called, let's not talk about it. Oh, really? Let's not talk about yeah. it. Yeah. But I, what I wanted to signal to him was like, I know yeah. this. each of these is like an hour and a half conversation, but let's not talk about it. Yeah. So I also cashed it in a joke. So I'd had, I had all these cards. And so one of the cards was like, was like Guantanamo Bay. Let's not talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Edward Snowden. It's not, it's not yeah, yeah. Drone strikes in Pakistan at a wedding. Let's not talk about it. Oh my God. Let's just not talk about it. Oh my God. And then I was like, boxers, briefs, commandos in chief. And then he's like, let's not talk about it. I go, classified, I know. So what I did is like, what I wanted to do was each of these alone. They're major. Drone strikes is foreign policy yeah, and yeah. the war on terror, right? This alone is like a two and a half hour conversation. Of course. Let's not, but I need to, Snowden, like that alone, privacy and all that whistleblowing, that's a two hour conversation. Um, Guantanamo, obviously in his campaign was like 
my first day in office, I'm going to close it. Did not. I was like, yeah. okay, we don't need to talk about it. Yeah. But what I had to signal to him was like, I know. And to the audience, I know. This next one's a little bit of a cheat because it's technically from 2022, but it gets referenced to me so much that I was like, oh, if people haven't heard this, uh, this episode with Zarna Garg is fantastic. Where she talks about um, her relationship with her daughter and her getting into comedy uh, kind of later in her life than most people do. And I just love that I loved our chat. If you can see her live, absolutely do yourself a favor and see her live. Uh, she'll be in Vancouver, February 22nd. This is me and Zarna Garg. I read your daughter's college essay, which now she's at Stanford. She's doing great. Um, but at the time, she wrote this college essay that they they printed, they published in the New York Times as one of the best college essays in the country. And I just found this so moving. Um, this is and this, this is your daughter, Zoya Garg. Yeah. My mom finds a baffling delight from drinking from glass hotel-grade water dispensers, even when three-day-old lemon rinds float in stale water, drinking from the dispenser remains luxurious. Last year for her birthday, I saved enough to buy a water dispenser for our kitchen counter. However, instead of water, I filled it with handwritten notes encouraging her to chase her dreams of a career. As I grew older, I noticed that my mom yearned to pursue her passions and to make her own money. She spent years as a stay-at-home mom and limited our household chores as much as she could, taking the burden upon herself so that my brothers and I could take on our education. However, I could tell from her curiosity of and attitudes towards women that she envied their financial freedom and the self-esteem that must come with it. When I asked her about working again, she would tell me to focus on achieving the American dream that I knew she had once dreamed for herself. For years, I watched her effortlessly light up conversations with both strangers and family. Her empathy and ability to understand the needs, wants, and struggles of a diverse group of people empowered her to reach the hearts of every person at a dinner table, even when the story itself did not apply to them at all. She could make anyone laugh, and I wanted her to be paid for it. Quote, Mom, have you ever thought about being a stand-up comedian? She laughed at the idea, but then started wondering aloud about what she would joke about and how comedy shows were even booked. As she began dreaming of a comedy career, the reality of her current life as a stay-at-home mom sank in. She began to cry and told me it was too late for her. I could not bear to watch her struggle between ambition and doubt. Her birthday was coming up. Although I already bought her a present, I realized what I actually wanted to give her was the strength to finally put herself first and take a chance. I placed little notes of encouragement inside the water dispenser. I asked my family and closest friends to do the same. These friends told her other friends and eventually I had grown a network of supporters who emailed me their admiration for my mom. From these emails, I hand wrote 146 notes crediting all of these supporters that also believed in my mom. Some provided me with sentences, others with five paragraph long essays. Yet each note was an iteration of the same sentiment. You are hilarious, full of life, and ready to take on the stage. On the day of her birthday, my mom unwrapped my oddly shaped present and saw the water dispenser I bought her. She was not surprised that she had hinted at it for many years, but then as she kept unwrapping, she saw that inside the dispenser, there were these little notes that filled the whole thing. As she kept picking out and reading the notes, I could tell she was starting to believe what they said. She started to weep with her hands full of notes. 
she could not believe the support was real and that everyone knew she had a special gift and believed in her. Within two months, my mom performed her first set in a New York comedy club. Within a year, my mom booked a monthly headlining show at the nation's premier comedy club. I'm not sure what happened to the water dispenser, but I've read the notes with my mom countless times. They are framed and line the walls of her new office space that she rented with the profits she made from working as a professional comedian. For many parents, their children's careers are their greatest accomplishment. But for me, my mom's is mine. Yeah, it's really emotional. <laughs> to hear it in your voice, too. Okay, this just became a sad podcast. <laughs> it really speaks to the idea of supporting your friends and family in helping them achieve what they want to be and what they want to do. And it's, and it's you know, for me, it's an inspiration for, for, for me and my, supporting my wife and daughter and what they want to do. And, 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 and I, hopefully people hear this and, and, and think of it in relation to their own lives. Absolutely. And, you know, I encourage it. I think my community has come up, come out in big numbers to support me. Yeah. Without them, I wouldn't have a comedy career. You yeah. Know, every time I, I didn't know what a bringer show was. Yeah. But the first time they, you know, a club told me you need to bring five people or eight people or whatever. Yeah. I was like, but what will I do with the remaining 90? Yeah. <laughs> because people in my world that's were really so funny. excited. Just to give context, that's a bringer show is when you have to essentially bring your own audience to the comedy club. Yeah, and usually people are stressed out about having to bring people. Yeah, but in and my, you had an outpouring of people. Because it's never been done. No yeah. Indian woman trashed her mother-in-law on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Women came out from across state lines everywhere. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Support for Working It Out comes from Viore. Viore is a clothing company that draws inspiration from the coastal California lifestyle. I was thrilled that they were willing to be a sponsor because I could just talk about how soft and comfortable their clothing is all the time. I mean, I'll read the stuff they told me to say. It's uh, It inspires others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does that. But also, my experience is it's very, very comfortable. Viore offsets 100% of their carbon footprint. And since 2019, they've also offset 100% of their plastic footprint. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off. Ooh, that's good. Your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable, versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash 
Burbigs. That's viore.com slash Burbigs. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping. What? Free shipping on any U.S. orders over 75 bucks and free returns. That's viore.com slash Burbigs. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Another conversation I had this year that I loved was with Gary Goleman. Gary Goleman is one of my favorite comics. He's been one of my faves for probably 20 years. Just great comic, great specials. He has a new special on Max called Born on Third Base. He has a new book that's extraordinarily well-written called Misfit. This is me and Gary Goleman. I feel like when you and I first met, it helped <laughs> me understand a certain thing about it years later, which is to say you and I met in Los Angeles out at a show, yeah. we, we, we our sensibilities mesh. This is totally. probably 15 years ago. And you were like, let's stay in touch. And I was like, great, let's stay in touch. And then I tried to get in touch with you and you didn't get back to me. And I was just like, oh, I guess like, I mean, in my mind, I literally thought like, I guess Gary's just like a real operator. Like he's wow. on to the next operation. No. But it's an assumption. Yeah. And years later, I find out you had these bouts of depression where you couldn't get out of bed, you couldn't leave your apartment. So yeah. so much going on. And it taught yeah. me this wider lesson, which is you cannot know what someone is experiencing. So it's so unfair <laughs> to assume what their experience is of that. Now it was it, a huge lesson for me. No, it, it it is really a good thing to learn. And I could I could probably apply it to my the criticism of of famous comedians, but I think and and one aspect that I don't think we covered and and maybe you hadn't said that you thought our sensibilities matched. I remember thinking, even if I call him back, he was just trying to be nice. And, and what have I got that a young burgeoning comedian in his prime will, will feel like I was so insecure about my place in in comedy and and it and it's possible that you thought I was a really good comedian and and wanted to be um friends besides that and here's the other thing would it have been so bad if I was a terrible comedian and you still wanted to be friends yeah. like that's the whole thing that I couldn't imagine anybody liking me other than that I was a really good comedian and if I'm not a really good comedian then they wouldn't want to spend what value would I yeah, have what anyway would I have and it's just so it's 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 sad and and yet it seemed so reasonable and and was going on in my mind with with just about everyone so there were people in addition to you that I was I wouldn't say I was dodging them I would just not get back to them and then start to feel so guilty about not getting back to them and they'll think that I'm a, a jerk when I do get back to them and and there's also this thing of being afraid that somebody will tell me off oh yeah when I, if Why? I do, if I do get back to them like who do you think you are are that you can just take your time and getting back to me and I called you two weeks ago and it's just it's just it's completely unfounded but it's depressive thinking yeah where I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole I was gonna uh, uh, no I'm open to rabbit holes well it's like I've struggled with this thing in the last few years where I've had depressed friends who just drop out yeah and tried to be helpful and then at a certain point they're just gone Oh. And so then you just go like, well, where's the line? 
Right. Where's the line between, no, actually, this person might be a bad friend. <laughs> right? Oh, that's interesting. And it's a rabbit hole. I don't know. I don't know that there is an answer to that. No, that's a that's a great point. I, I mean, recently I've taken a look at my friendships and done a little Marie Kondo decluttering. Yeah. And and found, well, this person hardly ever initiates. I have to set up every yeah. meal. I'm gonna let them do it. And yeah. in some cases they do, and in some cases they don't. And and I just think, and my therapist was really good at this. He says you can still have them in your life, but you do not have to expect anything more than what you're getting and yeah. know what you're in when you go into it. Yeah. And know that if you meet up with so-and-so, they're only gonna talk about their their job and yeah. you're not gonna get a word in edgewise. And if you wanna do that, that's fine, but know that you're making that that choice. And I, and I thought that was really helpful. That's fascinating. What do you... What? Well, this is kind of, I've never asked this question before on the show, but when Tom Papa was on, we had kind of a come to Jesus about our friendship and it was actually really helpful in like a real life way. Where do you, what is our relationship? Are we friends or are we work friends? Oh, I think my feeling is always that this is a, a really busy guy and and I'll bet you that... He wouldn't be able to fit me in. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I don't like because there are a lot of things that I will think. Oh, I bet you Mike would think this is funny, and I'm just like, ah, oh, don't be the guy who's sending, because we all have friends who send us things, and and we're just like, I don't have, I don't have time for this, because if you. If some friends, if they send you something and you react, then your next hour is yeah. is in getting yes. text back and, yes. and forth. And I just, especially Atta while writing a book, right. you don't have time for that. Right, attachments yeah. to links, the, yes. the things you don't have a login for. <laughs> I I feel like It's like, you know what? I don't have a Wall Street Journal subscription. I don't think I'm gonna have one. Yeah, I don't know that Kafka meant this when he wrote everything he wrote, but there is something about the Wall Street Journal paywall yeah, yeah. That, I think, that I think he would have related to. I think so too. And I think, so that's a fascinating, <laughs> well, let me just say here on the record, this line is open. I always want to hear from you. Okay, good. Um, oh, that's really I'm nice always to happy to hear from you. Um, I don't know. It's, I, it's interesting because you and I have now known each other for so long. Yeah. And I feel like we're in a unique position in our friendship where we could actually theoretically point out things about each other that we could try in our act that maybe we don't even realize about ourselves. maybe is funny. Oh, that's really interesting. It's, it's funny because very few friends ask each other, what level of friendship they are. Yep. And and that's I I I won't lie. It's it's not a comfortable position to be asked that that no. question. It's it, it it's very vulnerable to ask that question and also on the other end it's it's almost I have to give an account of what happens with us when we're not in the same room because we were on that that documentary. Yeah, we together. did a documentary together. And and 
I was so grateful that you were there because I didn't know anybody as well as I knew you. And, and it just was, it was a, a great life raft and we had so many great laughs and then you were gone. And, and it reminds me of when I graduated from college, I had this close friend all through second semester, senior year. His roommate had gotten a girlfriend. So he was very lonely, I think. And I had just broken up with a girlfriend. So I was very lonely and we connected and then school stopped. And, and I remember thinking, well, unless he reaches out, I'll probably never see that guy again. Yeah. And, and he reached out and we spent the next, it's now coming up on 35 years, wow. talking on a every other day, weekly basis. Wow. And, and I could see a scenario where that friendship never took because I was afraid that he would be put off by me reaching out right away after. And he called me like the first day of summer vacation. It was just, I, I'm, uh, it's an insecurity that I should have put, pat, uh, put behind me 35 years ago with that piece of evidence, what I would have lost out on, one of my, one of my closest friends. I'm going to have to call you tomorrow. <laughs> Another chat I loved this year was with Rami Youssef. Uh, the other night I saw Rami at the movie premiere for Poor Things, which is just this sensation of a movie that he is so good in. Uh, that's in theaters now. Um, his Instagram is at Rami, R-A-M-Y, for all of his live shows. He is one of my absolute favorite comics and people. This is me and Rami. Who's the first stand-up you ever saw live? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I remember the first stand-up I obsessed over watching, which was Carlin. That was like my... No kidding. That was like everything me and my uncle obsessively way before I should have. Wow. You know, that like- Like 10 years old or something. Literally 10 years old. Oh, wow. I'm watching Carlin yeah. yeah, with my uncle. And and that was where, and my uncle kind of talks like Carlin. Like he's oh. really, my uncle talks in premises. <laughs> yeah. He's really funny. Like he hit me with this, with this like, like he'll say stuff that I'm just dying. Like he goes, what's up with Donald Trump's son? Just- has he been 13 the whole time? He, Dude, that's he's so like, funny. it's so funny. Like he literally <laughs> goes, the kid has never aged. Isn't that the funniest premise? Isn't that the funniest premise? He literally goes, the kid has never aged. And I died. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard a different age on him. Like, I know he's gotten older. Like, it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, we're talking about Baron. Right? Dude, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's so funny. <laughs> his young son, like he's like. Right, he's not, and he, right, because he's probably in college. He's probably or 18, but yeah, he's yeah. like, as far as we know. <laughs> you know I mean, that, that's so funny. No, no, it's got nothing he's, to do with the kids' he's intelligence. It's got nothing against him. It's literally, it's like it's about insulting The joke him. is about like reporting. Yeah. Like he's literally like, the kid's just been 13 <laughs> the whole. <laughs> the whole term, <laughs> and it, it just it made me laugh so much. Are you so doing much. this on stage? No, I never have. Oh, you like, should I do just, this. Like, it's you so... should do this. I think potentially <laughs> you should just. And I don't even know where you go with it because it's so I funny it's on so its own. Funny. It's but it is one of those things where like. Sometimes in life we are out as comedians, we're outdone by yeah. the people who are non-comedians, and our lives are just that's so funny. Mm-hmm. 
So this is one of my favorites of all time, Joe Firestone. This episode is entirely unique. Uh, if you don't know her, she recently wrote a new book called Murder on Sex Island, which is hilarious. Um, she created a card game called Fruits. She has comedy specials. Uh, she was, had a small part in Don't Think Twice. She just does all kinds of things. She does a lot of stuff with Joe Pera. She's just hilarious. And this is a great chat we have. Uh, this is me and Joe Firestone. So I moved up to Upper Manhattan. Okay. About a year and a half ago. Okay. And I was like, you know, the clubs are so close. Yeah. I should probably do the clubs. Right. I did this set where this couple was making out. Yeah. Really I've seen that hard. Happen. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah, I've seen that. And the host was obviously like, okay, we've seen you guys making out. You guys can go home now. Yeah. Go home and make out. Go home and make out. And so then uh, they were like, the woman of the couple was like, basically, she didn't like being called out for making out. Okay. And she starts screaming, I'm going to kill myself. Okay. That's a little rash. The host is like, just, okay, I didn't mean it. And she goes, I'm going to kill myself. She says it five times. I'm going to kill myself. The host is like done with dealing with her. Okay. Please welcome f- Joe Firestone. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I've heard a lot of hell gig stories of bad introductions. That's That probably takes it. It's tough. Making out all night. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. Please welcome Joe Firestone. Really tough. So how'd it go? Bad. <laughs> Like, how bad? This is basically what my set sounds like to someone that doesn't know me. How do you know that? I know. Okay, so. Who told you? Listen, I've seen what, but basically it's like that was, I was like, I don't know whether to address this. I don't know whether to keep talking to this woman. Wait, how do you sound? I just don't know how you arrived at that conclusion. You know what it is. You know what I mean? Sort of. But basically, it's like, so they really just, they needed some grounding. They needed someone to come in. To be a a really straightforward, straight ahead, set up punchline. Release. Mainstream comedian. Release the tension. Release the tension, yeah. That's been created. That's what they needed from you, and you were not... There, you were not ready to do that. Mm-mm. That so was my first time. That was my first time at the club. Wow. So what'd you do as your bit? Like, what'd you open with as a joke? Did you have a joke? I said, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm so sorry is a great line. I, that I, must have gotten a laugh, right? You no, know, people were like, Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. They were nodding, affirm, tough, affirming, tough, tough. affirming that to be true. And then any jokes after that? Did yeah, you tell I tried. Jokes? I tried some jokes, but I like said, what's a what's a what's a quintessential Joe Firestone joke if you're comfortable saying? Like a joke I'm saying like right a, now? Yeah, like what's a joke that would be that that works and even in that club like that might work pretty well, even in weird circumstance. Um Okay, I was uh this joke doesn't work. Okay. But I'll say this I do this joke. I'm, I'm actually asking you Okay, for a joke that works. I'm not sure I have that right now. But I basically, <laughs> I did this joke for a bit that was always, I'd say, consistently alienating. Okay. Where I said that I feel like I'm getting older because my purse is filled with dust. 
<laughs> oh, that's got to do well. <laughs> the people no? are saying, help her, help her. Oh Why she got dust in her purse? Her purse is And then it's like, dust. well, the dust, I know what it's called, it's called a woman's sand, and that'll fill up the hourglass <laughs> of your life. And when it gets to the top, you're dead. <laughs> Our final episode that I'm going to play for you is my favorite, one of my favorites of all time. This has got to be top three, top four of all time. Pete Holmes, it kills me to say it, but he's he's very funny. Um, he has a new special on Netflix called I'm Not For Everyone. I guarantee you will laugh and uh, enjoy me and Pete Holmes. Sometimes I do a show and I let them in and I go back to the hotel and I feel like they they took something yeah, from it took me. something. I do these stories about parenting fails, basically. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work and I go, I literally just, I don't stop the show, but I go, I think this is what stand-up is for. I think this is what the art form is for. I go, I could tell you stories where I'm winning or I get the last laugh. What good is that to you? Yeah. Project your shame onto me and laugh at it. Oh, I love that. That's what we're doing. We're doing Project shadow work. On that episode with Gary Simons, you said, <laughs> tell your secrets. I want to see comedians uh, telling their secrets on stage. And you and I talk about this all you the time. You told me that. Yeah, something we talk about. If you're not telling secrets, who cares? Who cares? And that's right. That's and kind of what I was just saying. Do you have anything in your new hour? that you're touring with right now that feels like a secret? Yeah, for sure. It's all stuff about my parents. Oh, interesting. I have a line in my act right now that's hard every single time I say it. Yeah. And I go, it's about, it's not that I want to tell my daughter that she has it better than me. <laughs> I already like it. That's a, that's a great example of, I like the setup. Yeah. I'm laughing at the setup. Buddy, you and I are in the setup section yeah, of the stand-up shop. Love you know it. what I mean? Like a good, and I just go, but I do sometimes wish that like a Charles Dickens style ghost <laughs> would, <laughs> would occasionally whisk her to my childhood in the 80s. Oh my God. So I recently apologized to my daughter because she was choking me. She was riding my back and then she put her, her arms around my neck and she let go and she was choking me. Yeah. And I was like, baby, you gotta let go. You gotta let go. And then she got down and she was sad. Yeah. And I literally and sincerely apologized mm. to her for not letting her choke me. I said, you really wanted to choke dad. <laughs> yeah, you're having, you're having big, that's a disappointment. You oh. liked choking dad. And, oh, you had God. Stuff. and I said it and I meant it. And I was like, I'm sorry, baby. I'm a person you can't choke me, but I meant it. Right. And it's moments like that, that I wish a portal would open and a ghost would come in and go, come child. I'll take you to a moment in Peter's childhood when his father apologized to him. And they go in and it's just perfect darkness. Yeah. And my daughter goes, but spirit, nothing is here. And I go, that's right, because it's never fucking happened. Mm -hmm. That's all safe. That's that. not really a secret. The tag is, Mikey, I go, every time I've wanted my dad to apologize for hurting my feelings, I end up apologizing to him for having hurt feelings. That's a, <sighs> that's a secret. That's deep. And then you know what the tag to the tag is? I know that's not funny. I just don't want you to feel alone. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. They laugh at that. It is that beautiful. Makes me want to choke up. Because it's fucking hard. It's hard. And a person in an alpha position under lights and being celebrated and saying, it hurts out there. Yeah. And you know what the best thing is? Listen, listen. 
to how many people laughed at that, how many people clapped at that. Yeah. But then I'm going to go one turn further, not to fluff my own pillow here, but I'm going to go it and I'm going to say, my dad doesn't apologize to me. I'll, yeah. I'll end up saying, you're right, sir. I shouldn't have. My, oh God, I could cry. Yeah, it's emotional. It's hard. But what do you do? We're all, you know, there was an earthquake in Ojai recently. And then the same day, Val and I went and saw a production of Shrek the Musical yeah. at the local theater. And every once in a while, there'd be an aftershock in the lights. We're all under lights. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. That's life. We're all putting on a play yeah. during an earthquake. Yeah. And the best thing we can do is hold hands yeah. and go, I felt that shock too. I feel it. Yeah. We're dancing in a burning house. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no that's going to do it for a very special episode of Working It Out. Check out Burbigs.com for the mailing list. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Burbigli, associate producer Mabel Lewis, assistant producer Gary Simons, sound mixed by Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. They have a whole bunch of music that just came out. You can follow them at, at Jack Antonoff or at Bleachers Music. Special thanks to J-Hope Stein, my wife, the poet. Her book is called Little Astronaut. Special thanks, as always, to our daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows. Thanks, most of all, to you who are listening. If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, rate us, review us, tell your friends, tell your enemies. Maybe you don't even have enemies anymore. Maybe the, maybe this podcast fixed you and you're, you're enemy-less. Um, Thanks, everybody, for being with us for 2023. We got exciting new guests for 2024. We can't wait. Thanks for being part of the journey. I'll see you next time.